Okay, so uh, I have a homily ready, but just before I give the actual homily, I'll just have to explain this one line from the Gospel here, just so that there aren't any misunderstandings out there. If any man comes to me without hating his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, his own life too, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, we'd be really careful here. The Lord would never command us to hate anybody. So this is... Uh, a form of expression which the Lord uses sometimes, you know, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, right? It's, it's a deliberately exaggerated. He's not asking us to hate. God, who is love, would never ask us to hate anybody. But if your dad says to you, you shouldn't go to Mass, then you have to disobey him and go to Mass. If your mom says, uh, when you feel you have a vocation to be a religious sister, your mom says, you shouldn't be a religious sister, well then you have to disobey her. Because if God is calling you, God's call is higher. If, if your brothers and sisters say, oh, it's ridiculous that you pray, you should stop praying, then you, all, you, always, you have to choose God above everyone and everything else. Even in marriage, God is first, then your husband or your wife. God, is always, God has to be first. So in this way, uh, if anyone comes to me without hating father, mother, brother, sisters, and even his own life too, he cannot be my disciple. If, you, if we come to the Lord, but he isn't in the first place, well then, we'll do what a lot of people are tempted to do, which is take the, the bitter religion. I can't stand that expression. I really can't, on so many levels. Firstly, a bit, and secondly, religion. What a broad term. Satanism is a religion, like, a little bit of religion. Well, like, can we, even a bit of Christianity is a little closer, but even that... You, you can't go half-hearted into this thing. Either God's in the first place or he isn't. So the Lord wants us to give, to give, him, his, our, to give him our hearts, not just a bit, not just the, the leftover bits, not just the kind of the redundant bits in the corner of our lives that aren't important anyway. He wants it all. Okay, sorry, that's the introduction. Now the homily. So a friend of mine was going out with a, a wonderful girl, lovely girl. Uh, she was from Malta. Uh, charming and the whole lot <clears throat> and he went to a hurling match in Dublin with her now he wouldn't have been the most romantic uh, so at the end of the match he always wants to get out ahead of the traffic right so it's very very important that you leave the game just before the game is actually over which <laughs> drive me crazy but he would always have to leave like two or three minutes before to get ahead of the traffic get out to the car and get ahead of the traffic right so there he is and, and the, the girl's like ah, well, will we see it at the end he's like no 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 no, no follow me we're leaving now and she said, but I want to see the... No, 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 we're, we're leaving right now. And then like, he has a fairly fast pace. And he said, look, keep up or I'm leaving you behind. So needless to say, that relationship didn't last very long and he went off to become a priest in my community. Um, but, 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 but I find it very, very interesting to think of one of these other fatal flaws. Uh, we mentioned one yesterday, the, the, the fatal flaw of... What was yesterday's one? Oh yeah, everyone goes to heaven. Uh, devastatingly fatal flaw there, because then, as I say, it undermines absolutely everything about our faith. Fatal flaw today is the idea that a fast mass is better, faster is better, shorter is better, quicker is better, right? And that the quicker you can get this, this celebration over with, the better. Uh, if any of you have ever, ever been abroad, <clears throat> if you've ever been actually to numerous countries abroad, and we have a couple of non-Irish people here, uh, I don't think there's anywhere in the world where mass is celebrated quicker than in Ireland. Dead serious. Like, I'm, not that, I'm not just saying that to be facetious now. But like, I mean, I've lived in Italy. I've been to Austria, Germany, America, Slovakia. 
I have never seen Mass celebrated than it is here. Never. And it's just really interesting because a friend of mine, a good priest friend of mine from over on the West Coast, uh, he was talking to his, he was preaching, and he said to them, so people would argue that if Mass was quicker, if Mass was just a bit faster, you know what I mean, it would keep the young people interested. The, 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 the young families would come because they could, you know, they would have their kids, they wouldn't have to kind of keep their kids calm for 45 or 50 minutes, they could just keep them calm for half an hour. So surely that will attract the young families, it will attract the young people. And then the priest just asked the congregation there, this whole fast mass thing, how has it worked out for us? Look around you. How has, we've been doing this now for what, maybe 30-ish years since the 90s, I'd say, maybe, probably actually longer, no, it's longer. But look around you, he said, how has it worked? So all these things we think it will do, it'll keep the young people, it'll keep the young families. Has it worked? And at what cost did we try this? So I think it's just, that's, it's, it's, it's a, a terribly fatal flaw. We always have to keep in mind, right? What if someone who's on the fence about the faith stuck his head in the door during Mass? Or say, you know, you've got a, a kind of a semi-practicing or non-practicing son or daughter, or son-in-law, brother-in-law, uh, sister-in-law, whatever. And they come to Mass and they haven't been in ages. Okay? So they're sitting there and like, like, like they don't necessarily understand what's going on, but they, just see, they see what's going on. Okay. So is what's being celebrated up here, is it going to, to give them a sense of the sacred or a sense of mystery or a sense of, maybe I'm missing something? Because if it doesn't, then we've got it wrong. The way we're celebrating then is wrong. It's not, it's not to do with, with the, the words that we're saying, but the way Mass is celebrated or the way Mass is attended. We can get that wrong. So it's not enough to just kind of get the thing done especially when it comes to liturgy, the, for me, the absolutely key word in liturgy is reverence. You know, reverence. That we, we revere what, what happens here. Okay? And it's just it's a complete fallacy, complete fallacy, to say the quicker the better. The, the, and the danger of it is absolutely horrendous because, okay, a couple of little things. Imagine, imagine you're celebrating, you know, you're coming to the day of your wedding. All the preparation has been done. You're after sending out all the invitations, and all the invitations have these nice little kind of flowers around the edges, which match the napkins that will be used on the tables at the reception, which match the bridesmaids' dresses, which match the socks of the groom, <laughs> which match the bouquet flowers. Isn't that right? That's how it's all supposed to work. Okay, right, so it's complicated. It takes a lot of preparation. You've got a dress which, as I say, your groom will call white, every other lady will call champagne. Um, you have arranged the meal, you've gone for your tester, you've gone, you know, all has been good, all has arranged, all is good. And then you get to <coughs> the ceremony and the priest is there and you can see he's under a bit of pressure. So when, when the bride arrives, he's like, yeah, come on, come on, yeah, thanks very much, okay. You're all very welcome in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The Lord be with you, with your spirit. So prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred message called to mind our sins. Came to call sinners, Lord of mercy. Came to reconcile us with the Father of Christ of mercy. Came to plead for us the right hand of the Father, Lord of mercy. Amen. Let us pray. God of mercies, you welcome your people. Christ the Lord, amen. First reading. Now, I haven't actually left out anything. That's all there. You can introduce Mass in about a minute. And, like, obviously, I'm rushing it somewhat, but I haven't left anything out. Right? But you can imagine, after all the preparation for my wedding, 
and I'm matching every single color, color and I had to get these things called color pa palettes because the colors have all sorts of weird names and I had to match everything up and now he's just ripping through it. Or you can imagine even like a slightly more serious scenario. If it's a funeral, okay, people have come from all around. Do you know people, your, your sons and daughters, nieces and nephews have come back from Australia and you know, the whole place, to all here with people who've, who've really uh, made an effort to be here and it's such a, a, a solemn and somber occasion. And, um, and similarly, the priest arrives and says, so you're all welcome, so let's just begin. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, men, Lord, be with you, with your spirit. Uh, and then he goes at first reading, maybe you're ready. And, uh, you know, you say, hang on, just like, this, is, this is mom's funeral, like. This isn't the kind of, you just like, don't, just, like, it's not that you have to, it doesn't, it doesn't have to last three hours. But somehow you just kind of intuitively understand that's, that's just not respectful, like. There's, there's something going on here which should not be rushed. I'm not arguing for hour and a half long masses, absolutely not, but they take the time they take in order that we can celebrate reverently. One more, one step further, to not just kind of weddings or funerals, but to actually understand the, what happens at mass. Like one image which, which I have is, you can imagine a, a soldier who has the job of bringing home the bodies of fallen soldiers from maybe Afghanistan. And so every now and again there's a, a plane that comes back to the States with, uh, with the fallen soldiers in, in, in their caskets. And then it's your job to bring them home to their families. So you arrive at, at the, the family home. Now you can imagine, you'd have a prepared letter I presume, you can imagine how you'd read it, though. You'd say, dear Ryan family, uh, it is my solemn and sad duty to present to you your son who fell serving his country in Afghanistan. His comrade said that he fought bravely, uh, that he was a true soldier and a true brother. And you can imagine, like, you'd say it, you'd say it like you'd, you'd be... You'd be very deliberate. You'd be very careful, because this is—it's like it's a—it's a—it's like a delicate situation, right? Something kind of tragic has happened here, and you want to be very, very careful to to communicate that in how you say it. So it's not some—the words are important, but also how you say the words. So if you're at the, standing at the same family door, the same family home with that casket behind you, our dear Ryan family. So John fell in Afghanistan. And he apparently now was great and loved by all, and uh, was a great, brave soldier, gave his life, serving his country, through Christ our Lord, amen. You go, like, you think, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say it like that, because the occasion is much more solemn. Okay, so what's happening at Mass is we're offering to God the Father the, the sacrificed body, the immolated body of God the Son. That should not be rushed, ever. Like what's happening here is beyond solemn. It's just, it's so profound. And people out there will know, they will know if we as priests, if we believe what we're doing. We have a very, people, we, even from primary school, we have a very keen eye of how people behave. You remember even in primary school, if you had a substitute teacher, right? As soon as the substitute comes in, you know, all the little boys in the room just go. <laughs> <laughs> and then the substitute goes, so, um, 
Hello, boys. Uh, I'll be taking you for the next two days. Miss, R Miss Kelly is out. All grand. And then she said, what's your name? John Straw. <laughs> and then immediately, you're checking. Does she know how to deal with it? Does she know how to deal with it? Oh, John, John Straw. So that's wonderful, John. Okay. And like, everyone knows she didn't cop on to the fact that I giggled after I said my name, therefore it's not my name, uh, so on and so forth. Okay. So basically, even from a young age, we're very good at checking whether someone is competent or capable or not. People can see how we celebrate Mass. And for me, it's always uh, a gauge of, of, of the health of a priest's spiritual life. How they celebrate Mass. How they celebrate Mass. Because quicker is not better. It's an absolutely fatal flaw. Fatal. Because then the people who come begin to believe that what happens here isn't really solemn or sacred. It's good. It's good to be here. But it's good like, like going to the dentist is good. You don't go for the crack. You're supposed to go periodically, like once every 26 years. Um, and you get checked up. But you don't kind of want to be there for a long time. You just want to get the job done and get out. Because it's really difficult to talk and maintain the conversation. Right? So you just want to get in and get the job done. So if you're a priest and you don't want to take the time to celebrate Mass, be a dentist. Be a dentist. It'll suit you much better. People want to get in and out. That'll suit you. But as a priest, we must, must celebrate Mass with reverence every single time. Because what we get to do is simply, out, literally, out of this world. As we offer to God the Father the sacrificed body of God the Son, there is nothing greater than that. And if people need to leave to catch a bus, that's actually okay. Leave, catch, catch your bus, that's fine. I think I told you just before, but I remember I was celebrating Mass in a certain parish, shall remain nameless, and my weekday Mass was, it was only 25 minutes, unlike here. Uh, my weekday Mass was 25 minutes, two-minute homily. And a lady came to me and she said, Father, that's not how we do it here. I said, that's not how we do what? She said, your, your mass, Father, it's, just, it's too long. Uh, and she said, what if someone needs to get a bus? I said, well, they can get the bus. Bus stops there, sure, they can just go. Uh, she said, yeah, but they missed the end of mass. I said, well, what if someone needs to get a bus at 10 past 10? Should mass be 10 minutes long? What if someone needs to get a bus at 5 past 10? Should it be 5 minutes long? I mean, if they need to get a bus at 20 past, they, they can go. There's, no, there's actually no problem. I mean, you stay for, at Mass for as long as you can, and, and then you go. But should Mass be as short as the needs of the person who needs Mass to be the shortest? Kind of a con convoluted phrase. It's kind of the lowest common denominator idea. You know, should it be the sh as short as necessary for the person who needs to go the soonest? Or what about those who want a more solemn Mass? What about, those, what about the, uh, the person who's being prayed for the anniversary? Mass, the intention of the Mass. What about those who are actually going through a rough patch and have an alcoholic husband, brother or sister and want to actually pray for them? Should Mass be, should we take into consideration their needs too? But even that, all of that aside, what's happening here is solemn and sacred. And that should be visible in the way we celebrate, not just in the words, but in, in how we carry ourselves, how we genuflect, how we hold our hands, how we pronounce the words. It's an absolute fatal flaw to think that a quick mass will win people back. It doesn't. It hasn't. Look around you. And so, today we ask the good Lord for a renewal of a priestly understanding of the Eucharist and of the Mass. We also ask for the renewal of, of the Mass in general, that it will always be understood as something sacred, 
a sacred encounter with the divine. And that all of us, priests and laity, might enter into these sacred mysteries with an open heart. Amen. So dear brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining us for uh, this homily via YouTube, via our live stream, or via the various podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for, for being part of our extended family, uh, wherever you may be. Uh, if these have helped you in some way, if they have they've blessed you, if they've helped you uh, in your faith in some way, in order to uh, facilitate our mission and, and, and encourage our mission, allow our mission to continue, uh, you might consider uh, maybe donating towards a Holy Family Mission, towards our formation of our young people here in uh, a place near Clonmel uh, in County Tipperary in, in Ireland. So if you wish, you can do so through our website, holyfamilymission.ie, and there's a donate tab there, and we greatly appreciate any help that you can give us. Obviously, we'd be delighted for your prayers as well. Please do pray for us. Uh, this is not just <coughs> a battle against flesh and blood, but also, obviously, we're engaged in a whole spiritual battle here as well. So we need your help uh, on the spiritual front as well as on the material front in order to, to allow our mission to continue. So thank you so much for your, for your generosity and for your support, and be assured of our prayers, especially on Wednesday when we offer our Mass and our prayers for all of our friends and benefactors. So God bless you, and we'll hopefully see you or hear you uh, on a future podcast or homily. God bless. Amen.